Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hungry for History. Now, I know it has been a very long time since I last posted. I had to take a hiatus for the summer because I was just too busy, but I'm back now, better than ever. And to make it up to you, to anybody who is still listening after my long absence, I am going to be posting one episode for every week in October. And I'm going to be doing sort of a creepy history theme. It is October. It's our spooky month. And now I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, Jillian, don't be ridiculous. Your first episode was on the Donner Party, and every story you tell is creepy. And you are absolutely right. But at least for this month, I have an excuse, and I'm going to make the most of it. So starting with this episode, you're going to hear some creepy tales from history, some of which have been requested by some of you. And today we're going to start with a story that I love to tell. It's one of the many stories of madness in Europe's royal inbred families. And today we're going to be going to Bavaria in the 19th century to talk about a king named Ludwig II. Ludwig II was one of the last major kings of the Wittelsbach family, a royal family, a house of nobility that does still exist today, but was once very, very powerful. It's a very old family. Amongst this family have been multiple Holy Roman emperors, as well as kings of all sorts all over Europe. But the Wittelsbach family, powerful though it was, had a little bit of a problem with hereditary madness. Lots of people in this family across the 700 years that it was extremely powerful went absolutely insane. And I'm going to talk about the last of them today, the King Ludwig II of Bavaria. He was King of Bavaria from 1864 to 1886. Now, before I get into Ludwig II, I'd like to point something out for all of you fans of the British royal family. Our current king and his family are descended from a Wittelsbach. The House of Windsor is a direct descendant of the Wittelsbach family through Sophia of Hanover, who was the mother of George I. Um, She lived primarily in the 17th century. So for all we know, we could see that hereditary madness popping out again in England soon. Ludwig II was the king of Bavaria, which in the 19th century was the second most powerful state in Germany, second only to Prussia. So as king, even after Germany became one unified state, Ludwig enjoyed a lot of power and a lot of responsibility. Now, he didn't always use that power and especially didn't always use that money wisely. Ludwig was born in 1845. He had one younger brother named Otto. And as the heir to the throne, it was very important that he marry and produce heirs. There was one slight issue with this, which is that Ludwig II was definitely gay. It's unclear to what degree his parents knew this as he was growing up. Regardless, he was engaged to a woman, actually his cousin. You know, that's how they got the whole hereditary madness thing in the first place, was some good old-fashioned inbreeding. So Ludwig II was engaged to his cousin, Sophie Charlotte Wittelsbach, in 1867. He'd just become king. He became king in 1864 at the age of 18. And unfortunately for Ludwig, even though he did like Sophie Charlotte and he did try his best, he just could not bring himself to marry her. He pushed off the engagement multiple times and eventually ended it all together. But he and Sophie Charlotte had bonded over one thing their love for the composer Richard Wagner. Now, Sophie Charlotte probably didn't like Wagner quite as much as Ludwig did. Ludwig's preoccupation with Richard Wagner was a bit more of an obsession. 
He was absolutely devoted to Wagner. He was very interested in Wagner's operas as artistic pursuits, and one of Ludwig's many obsessions or quirks that he had was that he was very into architecture. He built all kinds of castles. In fact, he spent quite a lot of money building castles. It became a problem eventually. And most of the castles that he built were based off of characters or scenes from Wagner's operas. All in all, he built more than 40 architectural projects, many of whom were dedicated to Wagner. Now, something important to know about Wagner is that he was an unpopular a-hole. He was an anti-Semite, he was a bit of a racist, he was just a relatively unkind, uncharismatic, unfriendly man in general. And he had become very unpopular all over Germany for a lot of his opinions and things that he'd said. His career basically only survived, and he's only remembered as the composer he is today, because of Ludwig II. Ludwig housed him at court, commissioned pieces, and arranged for special showings of his operas in Bavaria, and this ultimately saved Wagner's career. Now, I would like to add something, which was that Wagner was in his 50s when he first met Ludwig, who was a teenager. It was not a mutual obsession, but it was a bit of a gross one. And this was maybe one of the first indications that Ludwig II was not quite all there. Eventually, Wagner left Bavaria. He wanted to go build a new opera house, and also he was getting a bit creeped out by how infatuated Ludwig II was. And when Wagner departed, Ludwig considered abdicating. He was eventually talked out of it by his advisors. Of course, it would have been a very terrible idea for him personally and for Bavaria as a whole. But he really did consider completely giving up the throne because Wagner had left. If he had given up the throne, there might have been a bit of a problem. You see, Ludwig had a younger brother named Otto, but Otto had already been declared insane and unfit to rule. Otto was sort of one of those toddler babies that you see just held on a leash in a grocery store. He'd always been a bit out of control, a bit unpredictable as a child. His parents had enlisted him, though, in the military during the Franco-Prussian War in the 1860s, and Otto came out of that completely traumatized. He no longer functioned, he had a complete and utter breakdown, and he was declared completely clinically insane by his mid-20s and moved to what basically constituted palace arrest in a castle in Bavaria. So if Ludwig had abdicated over his gay heartbreak, there would have been nobody left to inherit the throne as neither he nor Otto had any children. So it's a very good thing he didn't do that. Now let's talk a bit about Ludwig's sanity or perhaps lack thereof. You could make a graph with Ludwig's sanity over time versus the number of castles that he built As Ludwig grew less and less stable, he spent more and more money on these construction projects. Walking around Bavaria today, you'll see beautiful castles around every corner, most of which were commissioned by Ludwig. So he really did leave his mark on the world, but he also left his mark on the Bavarian treasury. Ludwig primarily spent his own personal royal funds on these projects, but borrowed so much money from other countries and other monarchies that by 1885, Bavaria was 14 million marks in debt. There's a bit of a controversy as to whether or not Ludwig was actually insane and to what extent. It is possible that his insanity diagnosis and his removal from rule was a conspiracy by 
powerful men in Bavaria who didn't want to see Ludwig continue to bankrupt the monarchy. However, you can't deny that some of the Wittelsbach hereditary quirks were certainly present in Ludwig's life. Most of his diaries were lost during the Second World War, but enough survive that you can see over time his descent into madness. His handwriting grows farther and farther apart, his word choice grows less and less varied, and his writing becomes messier and more frantic. Members of the court noted that he displayed bizarre personality traits. He had all kinds of obsessions, obviously with Wagner, with architecture. He had strange table manners and ate a bit like an animal. And he wore coats in the summer, but preferred to dine outside in the winter. All kinds of little strangeties. It's possible that if the Wittelsbachs hadn't had the reputation for madness that they did, and if Otto hadn't already been declared insane, that Ludwig's doctors wouldn't have diagnosed him as insane. And we don't know how much of that diagnosis was politically motivated. What we do know is that on June 10th, 1886, Ludwig's uncle Luitpold was declared the Prince Regent of Bavaria, and Ludwig was declared insane and unfit to rule. A commission had to show up at the palace to basically drag him off to a similar kind of castle imprisonment that his brother Otto had. Because Ludwig, understandably, threw a complete tantrum. I mean, imagine a bunch of men who you think are on your side suddenly show up at your palace gates one day demanding that you pretty much put yourself in custody, and also you've been king this whole time and suddenly you can't really be king anymore. It totally makes sense that he went absolutely off the rails. A lot of his palace guards tried to defend him. They didn't want him taken away, including one particular maid in her 50s who actually shook an umbrella at some of the men who'd arrived to take him away. But eventually, on June 12th, Ludwig was forced to give up as a second commission of men arrived. Ludwig was still king. You can't just really unmake somebody king unless they are executed or they're forced to abdicate. But he was king in name only. He no longer held any power. All of the decisions were made by his uncle, the Prince Regent, Luitpold. Ludwig was taken to Berg Castle, which is near Munich and is on a lake, Lake Starnberg. It was a beautiful castle. It was a great place to spend the rest of your life if you are clinically insane. Again, it's still debated whether or not he actually was. Historians today think that he had some kind of schizotypal personality disorder, but we're not sure exactly what. It's also been proposed that he may have had Pick's disease, which is a form of frontotemporal dementia, given that his brain was a little shriveled up when they did his autopsy. Anyway, Ludwig probably would have enjoyed Berg Castle. It had beautiful architecture. It was right on this lake. Unfortunately, he was only there for one day. By the time Ludwig arrived at Berg Castle, he had given up. He understood he was never going to rule again, never going to have power again. So his behavior changed a lot. He'd been erratic and temperamental before, and he suddenly became relatively meek and mild-mannered. In the morning, on June 13th, Ludwig and the doctor who was primarily responsible for his diagnosis of insanity, Bernhard von Gooden, left the castle and went on a walk around the lake with some attendants. Dr. von Gooden was impressed with Ludwig's behavior and thought that his patient had really made strides in the last few days, and he was optimistic about the king's future. That evening, Ludwig wanted to go on a walk again and asked his doctor to go. And this time, Dr. von Gooden told the attendants that they didn't need to come too. 
he and Ludwig left for their walk around the lake around 6.30 p.m. They were due back at 8 p.m., and 8.30 rolled around and they were nowhere to be seen. That's when the castle staff started to search. For two hours, they searched all around this lake. It was pouring rain. It was really hard to see anything. Nobody had seen the king. Nobody had seen this doctor. Nobody knew where they were. Finally, at 10.30 p.m., their bodies were found face up in the shallow waters at the edge of the lake. Their bodies looked very different. Dr. Von Gooden had clearly been beaten up. He was covered in bruises, had cuts all over his face, and it looked like he'd been strangled. Ludwig was completely unharmed. Nobody's certain what happened that night. It's been proposed that Ludwig and the doctor were murdered, maybe that the doctor was in on it. Ludwig's death officially was ruled suicide by drowning. But in the autopsy report, they found no water in his lungs. Here's what I think happened. I think that Ludwig came face to face with the fact that he was never again going to rule as king. I think he faked his good temper and his meekness that day just to convince the doctor that he didn't need to bring the servants and the guards on the walk with them. I think that he took Dr. Von Gooden away from the palace, this man who had declared him insane, this man who was the biggest villain in his life. I think he took this man to the lake's edge and beat him up and killed him. I think that Ludwig's body was untouched because even as the doctor was dying, he still could not lay a hand on the king. Even though the king was obviously trying to kill him, to hurt or injure the king or to kill the king would have resulted in a much more painful death by torture if the doctor was discovered. So I think Ludwig killed his doctor and then drowned himself and thus ended his reign. Ludwig II died in 1886 at 40 years of age and left no heirs. The throne then passed to his son Otto, who was long declared insane by now, so their uncle Luitpold continued to rule as regent. Eventually, Luitpold got really old, as happens to the luckiest of us, and Otto's cousin Ludwig, not Ludwig II, a different Ludwig, also became co-regent. When Luitpold died, Ludwig became Ludwig III, and was the last king of the Wittelsbach dynasty in Bavaria. Bavaria ceased to be a kingdom after 1918. So really, the last king to really rule in Bavaria was Ludwig II, and his reign ended in insanity and violence. And that's the story of Ludwig II. He's called the fairy tale king for all those castles that he built, and again, they are still all over Bavaria today. Thank you again for listening to the first of my creepy series for the month of October on Hungary for History. For my next episode, did you know that members of royal families have been serial killers too? I'm going to talk about some serial killers of history that you may not have heard of. See you soon on Hungary for History.